0: Job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. lights to too oh, wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired
1: or other things that you can listen to or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. On this episode of Notably Disney we are going to continue our list of our top 10 favorite forgotten Disney songs. In our first half we highlighted some very rare selections from the Disney song library including A Cowboy Needs a Horse and One Day She'll Love Me among others. So on the, in the second half we'll will make reference to a number of other selections some of them are more more familiar than others of course and we look forward to hearing from you in terms of what you think should have been on the list or what would be on your list so we'll encourage you to contact us on social media uh, with some of those selections but without any further ado jim fanning joins me once again as we continue our dialogue on our top 10 favorite forgotten disney songs
0: well, uh, my next one, number five for me, is, let me give it a little setup. Um, certainly one of the most well-known Disney songs of all, people listen to it every day probably, one way or the other, is Mickey Mouse March, so that does not fit our criteria of a forgotten song, but that was written by Jimmy Dodd who was a prolific songwriter and he of course wrote it as the theme for Mickey Mouse Club he was the head musketeer as i'm sure everyone knows but they may not know he wrote a slew of songs besides that famous mickey mouse theme for the show and i have chosen uh, uh, the the opposite of the mickey mouse march which is quack 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 donald duck he's my little pie. Yes, I <laughs> <it> went there. <laughs> so Let's hear more. It, 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 it fits all our criteria. It's definitely mostly forgotten. Um, but it, it it's delightful and really captures the character. Um, it describes who Donald Duck is. Quack, 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 Donald Duck. He's my little pal. Quack, 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 Donald Duck. Daisy is his gal. And then the kind of bridge is, I like the way he waddles and I like to hear him talk. And when somebody makes him mad, quack, 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 how he can squawk. So um, we've got all that, again, kind of a simple song and, and fun and delightful because it's about Donald Duck. What can be better than that? But the last verse says, quack, 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 Donald Duck. Cocky as can be, quack, 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 Donald Duck. Here's what he taught me. When someone knocks you down, get right up again. Show some pluck like Donald Duck. Quack, 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 quack. (laughs) (laughs) So since it was composed by Jimmy Dodd, he always liked to include a little depth and a little lesson. So obviously he thought hard about, well, what's the positive quality of Donald Duck besides him getting mad and, you know, some of the simpler observations like he's cute. What What can that character teach us? So it's a great song. It's a fun song. It's a novelty song. It, intri- it incorporates the quacking of Donald uh, and his squawking and his temper, but it also has this wonderful little thought about when someone knocks you down, get right up again and show some pluck like Donald Duck. So there, that's my choice for number five
1: love it would have never predicted that but um yeah and i i appreciate what you're saying that he's a very resilient character and the notion of pluck as a word that perfectly rhymes with duck is very (laughs) fitting very fitting indeed (laughs) yeah well i'm glad i'm glad you liked it (laughs) We're, we're learning a whole lot about disney music here on notably disney for sure today so kind of a uh, this is actually maybe another we're seeing some themes in terms of the songs that we're highlighting even if the the era is different or the tone but the notion of resilience is actually also present in my next pick which is called i'll try from return to neverland this is the theatrically released uh sequel to peter pan And it's uh, music by Joel McNeely, lyrics by Jonathan Brooke, who does the singing. Some of you might know that she's a great singer-songwriter. She has a very raw voice that's also just syrupy, and you just cannot stop listening to it because it's just effortless. Um, The context is that you have Wendy's daughter, Jane, who's uh, questioning how to stay strong during the peril of World War II. And this is a song that's in the background. She's actually not singing it, but it's very much reflective of her emotions. Kind of like um, if you think of Tarzan or Toy Story, where the characters aren't actually singing, but it's very much um, evoking their sentiments. There's some great piano work here. It's very much kind of like an I Want song, but also just the notion of just trying to make the best of a bad situation. Um, The lyrics include, My whole world is changing. I don't know where to turn. I can't leave you waiting, but I can't wait and see the city burn. Watch it burn. So there's this tragic notion behind it too, but it's a beautiful piece.
0: Wow, that that's a great choice. Again, one I definitely would not have thought of. Um, and uh, that's that's just... That's just a great choice. Definitely one that a lot of people would not know about, or, or even if they've seen the film, they wouldn't think of, you know? So um, that's what this... this the, you're doing exactly what you should be doing, Brett, in this little exercise we're running
1: through. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, yeah. So I'm interested in hearing your next pick. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be shocked as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's a return to the package films. Uh, this is again from Melody Time, and it's from one of my favorite pieces of Disney animation or one of my favorite Disney animated productions, I guess you would say, Once Upon a Winter Time. And it's the lovely song, song sung so beautifully and kind of in that 40s style by Frances Langford. Her voice is just like velvet, and um, she sings this beautiful, simple little song so beautifully. Once Upon a Wintertime, for those that may not know, is a very gentle um, exercise in just kind of beauty and stylization because it was designed by Mary Blair, who who most people know as the very stylistic Disney artist. And even though there's this little drama that happens where uh, it's a boy and girl out on a date in, in wintertime, And um, they go ice skating, and the ice breaks, and he saves her from, uh, uh, I guess, basically drowning. (laughs) Uh, But aside from that moment of drama, it's really just these gentle happenings. Again, the nostalgic (laughs) turn-of-the-century setting that Walt so loved, so that does crop up a lot. And it's, it's just a lovely, lovely song that does evoke a gentler time that people i think still experience because people still go ice skating people still take sleigh rides occasionally or at least they have their own uh, sleds or what have you in in the in the snow and it the, the lyrics don't you kind of love december when the merry snowbells chime we're together once upon a winter time every single snowflake falling plays a jingle down your spine lovely weather once upon a winter time. So those are just a few of the lyrics that show the beauty of winter. And are you? And just, I just love the idea of saying "lovely wind, lovely weather." I, I love that twist because most people wouldn't think of you know the snow and cold as necessarily being lovely. Uh, but this song evokes it. So it's just a very gentle, memorable. Um, to me at least, song that doesn't have the punch of some of the other ones we've talked about, but has a very sweet, lovely um, feel to it. It evokes a lot of gentle emotions. It's a gentle song.
1: Great pick. What you've really captured there, too, is this notion of during wintertime, during the Christmas season, or whatever holidays individuals may celebrate, we often turn to pieces from the 30s or 40s, these really um, just lovely commercial hits that just feel very nostalgic and warm and I think this one very much fits in that company and that's just how we are, I think um, at least um, in American society during that period, we really d- turn to songs we remember from our childhood, ones that evoke uh, wintertime, so this definitely um, fits nicely into that into that overall mix.
0: Oh great, yeah, that's, that's a great analysis and I, I don't I don't remember if I said who it was written by, but it's by Bobby Worth and Ray Gilbert, who again, I believe were quite prolific in writing songs that big bands would play and singers would play you know sing rather on the on the radio. So Francis Langford definitely fits in with that. So at any rate it's it's sort of of its time and um, timeless at the same time. so that's that's a Disney aspect as well i think
1: very cool very cool well my next pick is kind of in the walt era and um unlike you i will feature the sherman brothers uh for <laughs> well, for one yeah. we, have, a, we have, have a common, we have a common love for the sherman brothers that is very much clear um, but i don't feel like you know they've they wrote some like dozens of disney songs across the decades and so many contexts um in films television, the parks. Um, I I think a lot of those kind of quirky Disney live-action comedies um, sometimes don't get their due, sometimes they have their uh, pitfalls, sometimes they're actually precious gems. And a a song that they wrote for one of these types of movies was, and it's actually um, just a funny title in itself, it's The Monkey's Uncle.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's one of my favorites.
1: So um, perhaps it's um, you know, obviously they've written many, many more popular songs than this one. But what's cool about this is you get both Annette Funicello and the Beach Boys. Um, like, so can you think of anything more Disney in the '60s than that combo and the Sherman Brothers? So, um, it very much has a for for those who aren't familiar with the song. It has a very surfer rock spirit. It's Um, it's very upbeat, the the lyrics are very cyclical, it's catchy, it totally epitomizes what the Sherman Brothers are all about in terms of that wit and kind of following that template of that there is some degree of repetition, so it does get stuck in your head. Um, The the notion of she loves the monkey's uncle, yeah, yeah, keeps going on and on and on. Um, There's a nice electrical guitar section and I just love the notion of whoa 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 on the day he marries me, what a nutty family tree—a bride, a groom, a chimpanzee—it's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so there you have it, a monkey's uncle. Yeah, I love the way when you're doing the lyrics, you are, you're almost singing
0: it. You can't help but sing it. It's so it's so great. It's definitely one of my all-time favorites. Uh, it's just so wonderful and they they have the the sherman's their disney start as some of your listeners probably know it was writing songs for annette pop songs rock songs soft rock or whatever you want to call it so this this so fits in but they were doing the the surfer style and as i'm sure you know brett it was the sherman brothers idea that the beach boys should sing it with Annette, and they they brought this up to Walt, and he and uh, and he said, "Great idea, get them." Uh, so, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people don't even know that the Beach Boys ever did anything for Disney. This is not the most well known well known film, and and as our, is our criteria, the song isn't all that well known. Uh, so it's just great. And um, another another part, of the Sherman Brothers story about this song there if, if anybody that has their book there's photos of the beach boys and annette recording this in the studio not not on screen but in the studio and the sherman said that you know the beach boys showed up they they listened to the song and then they just did kind of a huddle and brian wilson came up with the beach boy harmonies right on the spot for what they were gonna do in the actual recording. So how cool is that?
1: That's fabulous, yeah, fantastic. And I love the added Disney history that you add to this. So that's great. Oh. <laughs> great,
0: well, what a fantastic choice. I, I was, the minute you said it was a Sherman Brothers song, I was like, okay, what's it going to be? Cause it could be- <laughs> One know. of a hundred. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so great choice.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm enjoying listen, uh, hearing about all of yours, too. So what's what's next on the docket?
0: Well, this is a song from a film that is very, very well known, especially now. Uh, I think for a long, long time, it was a little bit in the shadow of Snow White and Cinderella. But today, it's much more celebrated and, and viewed than it used to be, uh, which is Sleeping Beauty. And it's a different... Mm-hmm. As, as all your listeners know, it's a different kind of Disney film and was deliberately so. Walt was trying to do something different with it in terms of its look and its feel. And everybody knows, I think maybe even if they've never seen Sleeping Beauty, <laughs> they know, one, uh, you know Once Upon a Dream. It's one of the strongest and best known of Disney songs, I would say. But I really love I Wonder which again is very, very simple. It was, it was taken from the Tchaikovsky um, melody that was used in his Sleeping Beauty ballet as all the songs were. Um, and again, Tom Adair is um, the lyricist. George Bruns did the adaptation of the music. And it's just the most beautiful, simple, yet haunting song. And it's very, it's very um, apropos because, again, it's, it's not just a, a beautiful haunting song, but it's about the character. And how are you going to convey that this girl has been raised uh, by three little old ladies for 16 years, and she's never seen another human being? So how are you going to convey the loneliness, the wondering who I am and what's going to happen to me and will I ever meet anyone else. And the only other beings she knows are the animals of the forest. So she's comparing, she's thinking about the birds. Why, and it's, I wonder why each little bird has a someone to sing to sweet things to. And then later in the song, I wonder if my heart keeps singing. Will my song go winging, winging. See again, genius relating it to the bird to someone who will find me and bring back a love song to me. And given her life so far, she must really wonder, (laughs) will I ever, ever, ever meet another person, let alone somebody who's going to be so meaningful. Uh, So it really conveys this incredible character depth in such, it's probably one of the shortest Disney songs. It only has re- a, a, just a few lines, but so beautifully sung by Mary Costa and so beautifully conveyed by Disney. Uh, by what I, I say Disney because I'm I'm sure Walt and the story artists and everybody was involved in it. What what could this be? How can we convey this? And it's just genius. So that is one of my favorites and. As we've said, so many people have seen the film, but do they necessarily think of this song first thing? I don't think so.
1: Yeah, and it really attests to the idea of good things sometimes come in small packages and it's brief, but it's impactful and giving you context to the character. I think in some ways there's parallels, thinking about in a contemporary era standpoint, uh, parallels between Aurora and Rapunzel and Rapunzel's very isolated and her song Although it's very much of a pop rock uh, standpoint is, when will my life begin? And it's this notion of, of thinking of, you know, what, what is the outside world like? How am I going to channel my interests in new ways? And um, in a different way, um, Aurora is more of the classic Disney is thinking about, okay, what, um, what, what will life hold for me in this very uh, um, enchanting atmosphere? Of the forest so yeah i love that pick
0: and i think it's i think it's to your point too that um how it's uh aurora is one of the classic disney princesses she's the one that has the least to do because she's either a baby or or asleep and through most of the film
1: (laughs) telling it like it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is
0: really her only moment in the spotlight because, of course, she sings Once Upon a Dream, but the prince enters into that pretty quickly and the animals are there. This is her one moment to do a solo um, and where you even see much about what she thinks or feels too, so it's very important. Now, I have to correct myself. I was so enamored of Tom, of, uh, Tom Adair that I forgot that the lyrics for this were actually by Winston Hibbler and Ted Sears. And that bolsters my point about the story artists being involved because that's exactly who they were. (laughs) Winston Hibbler and Ted Sears were top Disney artists and Winston Hibbler especially was celebrated for his, he, he, I don't believe he was a graphic artist. I always say story artist to encompass any of the writers for Disney animated films but I don't believe he drew at all. He was a writer and he always brought a lot of poetry. That's what people that worked with him have said to his, what, however he was contributing. So whatever project he was working on, including Johnny Appleseed, he was one of the major forces on Johnny Appleseed. He always brought a lot of poetry, they said. um, they are the ones responsible for these beautiful lyrics. So sorry, I almost went on and didn't uh, uh, credit the right people.
1: <laughs> totally fine. Um, and yeah, thanks for the context on that front. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that pick. And, um, you know, a good character analysis of Aurora there too. So we, we get that <laughs> as well. Um, uh, my next pick is... Uh, bringing us uh, back to uh, more modern Disney uh, from the Renaissance era, as, as many people refer to it. And it's a piece that comes from a film that is probably one of Disney's darker animated films, but is also in the same vein, extremely uplifting and positive and just uh makes you feel motivated Um, the song itself uh, that I'm going to be featuring is very 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 dark but it's the Bells of Notre Dame from the Hunchback of Notre Dame it's uh, I would say it's the most epic opening of any Disney animated film it's a six and a half minute piece that has Gregorian chant chorus um, at the beginning before you see the Walt Disney Pictures logo um, and it's it's a very fine use of uh, a song showing narration. Um, you, you, you understand the whole story because Clopin is there to both serve as the narrator and the character who's very much the storyteller in the film. We understand um, Quasimodo's um, origins as well as uh, Judge Claude Frollo's horrible uh, intentions of, of drowning. A little Quasimodo, like that's a a really dark thing to see in a Disney villain. Uh, And we've seen a lot, but it's an extremely intense and epic, just epic, epic Disney song. I I like that we get David Ogden Steers. He comes in. Um, He plays the Archdeacon. We, We know him as the voice of Cogsworth and many other Disney characters. And the lyrics are just so great. Again, this is so this is music by Alan Menken. And uh, lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. So again, the same team from Pocahontas, and oh, I just I I listen to this song a lot, and I think it's getting more attention because we saw the stage adaptation of Hunchback a little while back, and I think it's kind of getting its due uh, many years later. But think of these lyrics and how intense it is. Judge Claude Frollo longed to purge the world of vice and sin, and he saw corruption everywhere except within. That's, that's pretty dark and intense, um, but it's also pretty awesome, too, that um, Disney would uh, be able to go in this direction in adapting this material in a very um, fitting way. So that is my selection.
0: Yeah, it's an excellent one. They, they did not shy away from it. Uh, that and other elements in that film and since that is the song that kind of sets the film up um than the whole story you know it's it's very apropos and it's very very just as you said it's very powerful so great choice
1: it's um it's one that is worth listening to both in the film context and also i would add the uh, stage adaptation soundtrack that was released several years ago has a really cool kind of extended version of the opening as well. Um, So that's worth listening to as well.
0: Oh, great. Yeah, I haven't heard that. I'll have to check that out. Very, very powerful choice. So number two, um, I wanted to choose something that was written by uh, Paul J. Smith and Gil George. Because that team, Paul Smith, of course, did many classic Disney scores um, for uh, Disney films of the 1950s, especially. So he's a major Disney musical um, powerhouse. And Gil George wrote a lot of lyrics for a lot of wonderful, I would almost say little songs, because a lot of them were not like major production numbers or <laughs> that sort of thing but um a lot of people might have seen her name and not realized that that was the famous hazel george actually it was the pen name of hazel george who was the walt disney walt disney studio nurse in the 50s and 60s who became walt disney's confidant and um a fascinating character in her own right and a fascinating uh, influence almost on Walt. But she made this whole other contribution to Disney storytelling and filmmaking and lore (laughs) that I just think is great. Um, So I chose, from all of us to all of you, uh, the Christmas song from the Walt Disney Presents TV episode of the same name and it's one of the christmas songs that have been written that is good enough to join other christmas songs classic songs it should be as well known as jingle bells or deck the halls or even like white christmas um i think for many years it was that well known almost uh certainly in disney circles in recent time uh recent times it's not as well known uh because I don't think Disney promotes it is not enough but I will be happy to tell you that when I went to Mickey's Toontown at at Disneyland at Christmas time they were playing it (laughs) and the Jiminy as as sung by Jiminy Cricket and like the the soundtrack through throughout the realm so um, it is a great song in its own right it's a little different because it's seasonal I hesitated to include it but I include it not only because it's good in its own right, but because it represents Gil George or Hazel George and Paul Smith.
1: That, that's great. Um, I haven't heard that one in a long time, but um, yeah, I, I, I like that a few of the songs are very seasonal and flair too. So um, they they make you feel good during a particular time of year too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which is Which is something in itself that something can evoke. Uh, you know a certain time a certain season so
1: yeah the impact of a song for sure Um, so my next pick is probably extremely timely on a number of fronts Um, there was a previous episode of the podcast where we talked about uh, favorite Pixar songs and I want to make sure I had one Pixar song in the mix if it felt fitting Uh, many of them are of course extremely well known you've got got a friend in me um, among others but Uh, There's an Oscar-nominated song from WALL-E called Down to Earth. Uh, This is music by Peter Gabriel and uh, Thomas Newman, um, lyrics by Peter Gabriel, and uh, Gabriel sings the piece, of course. And um, it's a very long six-minute end credits theme and has a lot of great piano work, uh, some electronic elements. It has a lot of meaning because it focuses on uh, climate crisis and... Um, there's a lot of understated yet lovely rhyming in there. There's some rock and world music. It has a lot of different flavors. And the final product is ultimately um, inspiring and uh, worth ruminating over because it, um, it's kind of in- intense um, in-, in terms of thinking about the-, the characters in the film and the livelihood they are facing um, in, the- in their spaceship, the Axiom and abandoning earth. So I really like this piece.
0: That is a fantastic choice. And it's interesting because I do think, uh, obviously, as you said, there are well-known songs from the Pixar films. But for me, songs, and I, I don't mean music, I mean songs specifically, are the weakest part of the, of the Pixar world they obviously made a decision not to make the most of these films musicals and therefore songs are de-emphasized. So there, there might be a strong song in a given movie, but for the most part, I'm not in my own personal opinion, I'm not that impressed with the Pixar songs. It doesn't mean that they're bad or anything like that, but they're just not the strongest part of the whole Pixar thing. (laughs) But yeah, this one is, is great and powerful. And, and Wally e does have this strong theme of what's happening to our world or what could happen to it. And of course, you don't even really know what's going on at first, which is at the way the movie unfolds is great. The storytelling is great. And we're like, where is this? Where You know, you just don't know what, from one minute to the next what's going to happen in the story. So to have this kind of all sum it up in a way, is is very very good, very powerful, so another excellent unexpected choice
1: that that's the theme throughout for yeah. sure I, I I'm constantly surprised by I think what both of us are sharing in uh, different ways <laughs> well, so, they,
0: uh, well the two the two of our lists uh, complement each other because I do think mine are more more traditional even though some of them are not well known and they're not supposed to be but um they our, ours complement each other in terms of eras and what I'm what I'm leaving out. You include, and I guess it's obvious to your listeners by now. We did not consult each other about our lists. We just we chose them independently of each other, and I think they I think they combine to make a really great you know mixtape or or playlist.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, and I I am definitely going to listen again to quack 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 donald duck because i can't say that's been on my playlist recently but uh it's worth listening to again.
0: <laughs> it's not been on your playlist recently or ever. So it <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's yeah, some of these are very strong, powerful and some of them are just fun, but as always with disney there's there's more than meets the eye, so that's a good thing. Yes. So i guess i guess i will move on to my number one choice. Okay. Let's do a drum roll. yeah. it's kind of an obvious uh, if if an obvious choice can be made among songs that are not as well known, um it's almost an obvious choice. but since it's number one, it has it has to be uh, has to have something going for it, right? So Alice in Wonderland, the film the Di- the Walt Disney film from nineteen fifty one. It has the distinction of having the most songs of any film Walt made. There's just tons of them. One reason being because the Lewis Carroll original had so many songs, or at least poems, in it. And some of them are just little for throwaways, but they're all great. But the one that has the most meaning to me is because it's so beautiful and haunting, is the theme uh the title the title song which is heard over the opening credits which of course is just simply called alice in wonderland the choral work the idea of what is what is wonderland and where can you find it um the the lyrics are are quite beautiful the melody is quite beautiful in the film it's beautifully done but It's especially well done, I think, in the famous Camarada album that was released on Disneyland, the Disneyland Records album, which is all covers and newly arranged songs from the film. So I think it's, uh, I think it's, you know, when you think of the movie, you don't necessarily think of the title song. You think of I'm Late or, uh, you know, uh, the unbirthday song or, or something like that. But um, this has this has a great power. And I- interestingly enough, it seems like a lot of jazz singers or cabaret singers have, have picked up on the song.'ve I've heard I've heard a number of people live just doing it, and I was like, no way, they're doing Alice in Wonderland from from the Walt Disney movie. So just things like when clouds go rolling by, they roll away and leave the sky. Where is the land beyond the eye that people cannot see? Where can it be? Where do the stars go? Where is the crescent moon? They must be some. They must be somewhere in the sunny afternoon. Alice in Wonderland. Where is the path to Wonderland? Over the hill, or here, or there? I wonder where. So it just somehow sets up the whole thing. Where you know where? Where can this land be? work in this world how can we find it.
1: Oh, I love that selection so much. It's there there have been so many great renditions of it over recent years on some Disney j- jazz themed albums as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to
0: say I think like I like didn't Chet Baker do it and Rosemary Clooney the it to go back, you know, to uh, other times and, and and even recently. So, i think a lot of song, a lot of singers have appreciated it for its su- surprising quality and i say surprisingly because in a way it's almost a throwaway it's the title song that's not sung by a character or you know it, it's it's over before you know it and then the, you get into the story and all the characters and all the craziness all the madness it's easy to even forget it but it's it sets things up so hauntingly so i'm glad i'm glad you like it too
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and it, you know songs that are real because some songs just serve a little purpose others kind of provide a whole narrative and i think this one kind of fits into the latter camp um which is really effective and um yeah and i and i've seen actually a, a bunch of people perform renditions on um, on their youtube channels it's a it it seems to have um even though I would still agree it's very much overlooked, especially in the scheme of how many songs there are within that feature um it it is gaining a bit of traction over recent years, which is kind of cool so
0: yeah, for sure, for sure. so it's it it kind of occupies an unusual spot in in our list of uh, f- forgotten or or more unknown songs, but it speaks to its quality that especially musicians recognize that it's something special.
1: Absolutely. And my final pick um, comes from a Disney film that actually only has one song in the main film. There's an additional one in the end credits, but um, it's a film that very few people saw in theaters. I loved it um, from the onset, and I think some people are maybe warming up to it. Uh, more recently, it's from Treasure Planet. It's the song "I'm Still Here," yeah. yeah which great, great choice, it, great. A, choice. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, we're on the same page. So it's it's awesome in this from the standpoint of that it tells Jim Hawkins' full story, his backstory of of why he's kind of a a troubled kid and is trying to reconcile. Um, being out on his own and seeing John Silver as kind of a father figure, even though his dad kind of abandoned him, it shows his rebelliousness and it's a it's a rock piece. like it, this is not something that you would expect in a Disney animated film. This was kind of a, more of an experimental era with the company. It was after the Renaissance. They were trying different type of material. It wasn't just um, you know more fantasies. Or um, traditional musicals. This is by no means a musical picture. It just has the one song in the main um, main running time, say for the end credits. And John Resnick of the Google Goo Dolls wrote and sung this song. Um, because of this, I really love the Goo Goo Dolls as a band. So I appreciate the song for that reason. And it's, there's a lot of electric guitars and drums. It's loud. It's It feels like a a moody teen angst song that you just uh, adore it into adulthood because it may resonate on some levels or at the very least it very much tells the character's story and has great lyrics too. How can you learn what's never shown yet you stand here on your own? Um, There's also a sense of angst with the lyrics and their words are just whispers and lies I'll never believe. Um, I could not imagine uh someone like Aladdin or P- prince charming saying those lyrics but with Jim <laughs> Hawkins maybe so so there yeah, I have it i'm still here
0: yeah oh that's a fantastic choice it's it's unusual it's one it's you know it's it's uh a little bit of an unknown song from a little bit of an unknown film still but um i think more people as you said more people discover it all the time and it kind of comes in what the middle of the movie or yeah I, or uh-huh. or certainly it's well underway mm-hmm. and it kind of takes you by surprise which i always like and he's he, he's not he's not a particularly likable character in just on the surface so it's nice to see um it's nice to understand him and find out what What's what's going on inside him, that makes him the way he is. So it's it gives it a lot of depth, I think, and it's just a great song.
1: Yeah, I I think all those points are right on. So there you have it. I think we we completed it. We did it, Jim. We we highlighted twenty <laughs> fantastic songs from Quack 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 Donald Duck to uh, the Monkey's Uncle and everything in between.
0: <laughs> yes, right from and and every everything from. The Bells of Notre Dame to oh my gosh, uh, Star Spangled Man. So great, great, unusual, unexpected choices, and I love them all. So
1: yeah, me too. And I and as I said, I have to listen to at least one or two of the songs on your <laughs> list for the first time. So uh, I appreciate my homework assignment now. Uh, so I'm hoping we can conclude as we do with every guest, some common. Questions. Uh, the segment is asking my questions, get some answers. There's three mu- uh, standard music-related questions, throw in the two standard book-related questions, and then a random Disney question. I realize uh, we we've talked a lot. We probably can talk about uh, these for a while, but uh, I, I imagine you'll have some very interesting picks for these questions. So, are you ready, Jim?
0: I'm as ready as I will ever be.
1: <laughs> okay. So for. <laughs> First up is what Disney soundtrack did you listen to most while growing up?
0: Well, um, there were a lot, but I—I I ha- I guess I would have to say Mary Poppins.
1: Oh, fantastic!
0: I mean, you can't do better than that, anyhow. So why even, why even think beyond that, right?
1: It's just the best. Yes. Well, and finally recognizing the Sherman Brothers, yay! Yes. <laughs> Yes. I'm finally, I'm finally allowing them
0: to be part of my, what I'm talking about. So
1: hooray. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's hard. It's funny to think, cause I was wondering, Oh, are there any forgotten songs from Mary Poppins? But I, I think, I think everybody pretty much knows all of them. Maybe sister suffragette doesn't get its due, but it's fun.
0: Right. <laughs> so. Oh, and it's, it's just great. It's, Every every song is sheer perfection, even if they're not as well known. I you know, of course, Sister Suffragette. You kind of, it's right at the beginning, It's the first song in the movie, really, first song proper song. So you kind of forget about it as it goes on because there's one delight after another. So
1: yeah, yeah, and definitely in the same. Uh, territory as Alice in Wonderland with having so many songs, albeit the running time is very different between the two films. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> so your next question is, what Disney song most recently got stuck in your head? Well, that's easy given our
0: conversation, right? Because we've all all these songs we're talking about come into your head. So with me, it's the Monkey's Uncle. Thanks to your bringing it up and almost singing it.
1: Yeah, 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 right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, Great. Okay, well, I guess it served its purpose. Um, (laughs) Indeed. uh, Final music question for you, Jim. What Disney film do you feel, very perfect, what Disney film do you feel has the most underrated music?
0: Oh, my gosh. Almost impossible to say because... All I can think, yeah, all I can think of, is great ones, and then um, we've talked about so many that are uh, underrated. But I guess I would just have to go to. Well, it's just, and again, the, part of the challenge has been, thanks to DVDs and streaming and all all of this, and cable, so many people have seen the the films, but my go-to for years was Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And I guess it's because it's, I guess I can say it now too, because even if people have seen it, it's always in the shadow of Mary Poppins. And the songs, the songs are so great and they're not, they're usually compared unfavorably to Mary Poppins, but what wouldn't be, you can't compare anything to Mary Poppins and have it. (laughs) Very few things can stand up to that criteria. So anyhow, That's that's the easiest answer I can come up with for myself without thinking like for the next three hours.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, that could be a whole episode in its own right, I would imagine. Uh, Shifting over to to books, uh, I recognize that you are quite the writer and quite the reader. What is the most recent Disney book that you've read?
0: Oh, wow. Well, it's it's an odd. uh, Gosh. I don't I don't necessarily read a lot of Disney books because it's more like um I mean it's silly to say because I've read I feel like I've read them all um but I I'm dealing with Disney all the time so when I'm like actually reading I don't read Disney books if that makes any sense
1: Oh of course sure
0: but um probably Probably because I've been writing about Pinocchio uh, for another project, I I'm re- I'm been reading J.B. Kaufman's book on Pinocchio from a few years back. Oh, sure. Which is you know fantastic and in depth and all that. So, um, that's one. I mean, it's sitting right here at, at my desk. So I was reading it last night. So I guess I would I would say that one. So you can cut out all the other stuff I said. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for we've been talking for hours, uh, which I hope I hope your listeners will enjoy. But gosh, we could go on and on, like you said, and it's already been such a long time. Not that I haven't enjoyed every minute.
1: Yeah, Anyhow. ditto, ditto, and that's why. Uh, yeah, we're winding down. And uh, the second book-related question for you is, uh, and you might need to adapt it given that you have written. Uh, Disney books. But if you could write a Disney book on any topic, or what you haven't already covered um, through your compendium books, among others, what would it be about?
0: Well, just like Chris Merritt said, I don't want to say what my number one choice would be, because I do hope to indeed write it. So I don't want to give it away. Because I don't Mm -hmm. want somebody else to say, Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. (laughs) But given our topic, I probably would write um, about some of these unknown songwriters uh from the Walt era, and especially the ones that worked on the Mickey Mouse club, people don 't realize how many songs were written for that show because it was a daily show, and they did musical numbers on almost every episode so there 's tons of original content that and and they 're so great um not just quack quack, quack, Donald Duck. <laughs> And also, um, as I was saying earlier, uh, Hazel George, known as Gil George, I think she and Paul Smith wrote some wonderful Disney songs. Like uh, they wrote, they wrote one or two for Perry, for example, about the little squirrel, and um, oh gosh, more, more than I can think of. Uh, just wonderful songs, and of course, as I as I said, they both were fascinating individuals. So. Those—that's a book that needs to be written, I guess, about the Disney songwriters.
1: I—I I would buy it. That's a good one. Um, And—and <laughs> and fun fact, since you mentioned uh, Perry the Squirrel, for people who love the television show *Frasier*, the actress Perry Gilpin, who played Roz, uh, claims that she was named after the squirrel from that Disney short. Oh my
0: gosh! How
1: fantastic! Yeah. I know, it makes me love her even more. (laughs) Me too. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, well, yeah. There you have it, Perry. Uh, So then your random Disney question, uh, which I mix up for every guest, for you, it is, what Disney movie represents your go-to choice if you're in the mood to laugh?
0: Oh, wow. Uh probably one of the bill walsh produced and written ones maybe even son of flubber over the absent minded professor because son of flubber is so whacked <laughs> it is so nuts and um like that whole opening sequence about the the commercials for flubber and well i guess it's not the opening sequence but it's early It's just so insane. And with Paul Lind calling the football game, it just takes it into a whole another era uh, era, era, another level of insanity. So that that film is extremely well made and extremely nuts. So that would make that would make me laugh a lot.
1: Great. Yep, we're definitely covering the whole a uh, pantheon of different things under the Disney umbrella. And yeah, Son of Flubber, there you have it. <laughs> well, Love it really sums things up because
0: of all the guests that you have had on your podcast, how many of them have brought up some, Son of
1: Flubber? That's very true, but I wouldn't expect anything less from the the individual who brings up Quack, Quack, Quack <laughs> Donald Duck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm well trained in the ways of trying to come up with the not expected choice. So
1: <laughs> expect the unexpected with Jim Fanning. Well, Jim, let's make sure that folks know how to find you on your different social media platforms.
0: Well, that's great, Brett. Thanks. On um, the last episode of your podcast, I mentioned the launch of my new YouTube channel, which is Jim Fanning's Tolgywood TV. And um, hopefully there's some fun videos, not necessarily about Disney, but there will be more Disney to come. Um, So there'll be some fun topics, I hope. And aside from that, I'm on Instagram at jim.fanning1. Facebook is the same. If you search jim.fanning1 in Facebook, I will come up. There are other Jim Fannings, I I have to uh, warn you, so (laughs) make sure it's me. Um, On Twitter, I use at Amelius Brown, and Brown is with an E. That's a that's a shout out to Bedknobs and Broomsticks. That's the David Tomlinson role in that in that great film. Um, I also have a blog, which is a t- which is also Tulgywood. Wood. That's where the Tulgy Wood title came from, and uh, that's uh, the ad- the address for the blog is Jim at uh, and the at in there is not the at symbol, it's the at word. So <laughs> that sounds confusing, and all, really all you have to do is search Jim Fanning Tolgi Wood blog, and it'll come up. Or just Jim Fanning Disney. And I also have a website, which a lot of people do not know about. There's a lot of samples of my work on there, and it's especially good for anyone who might want to hire me as a writer, because I am a freelance writer that's what I do for a living. I'm always looking for new jobs and new assignments. So if you need any kind of writing, check out my website. It's at um, jim-fanning.com. So that's jim-fanning.com. And again, you can just search me for all of that. It's It sounds a little complicated, so if you want to just put in Jim Fanning and Disney, I should come up in every which way. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Yeah, no shortage of platforms and places to find you on social media and online. And yeah, what your website is great in terms of highlighting the, the variety of pieces you've published over the years for Disney and other outlets, too. So thanks for that, Jim.
0: Thank you, Brett.
1: Wow, was that quite the list? Uh, this was a really fun discussion. Um, I hope you discovered some unique finds along the way, as I mentioned a few of Jim's picks I was not even familiar with and I would say I'm uh, pretty much attuned to a lot of the rarities in the disney music library so such a testament to how each of us really brings something unique to the table and having um, really interesting insights into different facets of the walt disney company during different eras and really across different platforms too whether it be the short films or even the the major animated features that may not have Uh, been part of the conversation for more modern audiences Um, you know I think of a melody time or or uh, some of those compilation films like that so anyways uh, thank you again Jim for joining me on notably Disney this was really uh, quite a lot of fun and we look forward to hearing what you would pick on your top 10 favorite forgotten Disney songs feel free to reach out to us on social media thanks again Jim Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.